0: In 2019, Bishop Sutton coordinated a pilgrimage to the Holy Land that several members from St. Anne's, Chip and Gail Tucker, myself, and about 30 others from around the diocese attended. Oh, it was a wonderful trip. It was a 13-day trip, and we visited Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, the Sea of Galilee, the road to Emmaus, and we watched a baptism In the Jordan River. It's an event, an experience I will never, never, never forget. The people were lovely and I remember one experience where I was sitting on a bench with a woman who was eating her lunch and she was probably in her 60s also and wearing a scarf over her head and a very conservative long dress and she was eating some kind of pita bread with feta cheese and sliced vegetables. I smiled at her and she smiled at me as grandmothers would do when they smile to each other and they want to talk about their grandchildren. (laughs) I told her how much I loved being in Jerusalem and how lovely and gracious the people were. Now, you know, she didn't speak any English and I didn't speak a lick of Hebrew. So we connected with our eyes and our smiles. And you know what? As I was going on about her city, she nodded, she was very polite. She offered me her pita sandwich, her pita bread sandwich. And of course, I politely declined and, and I said, thank you for your generosity. But that's an example of just how welcoming the community is. I must say, however, with all of our meals, we enjoyed malak, taboon, and pita bread, with all the wonderful Mediterranean diets that they had there. And bread during the time of Jesus, as well as today, it's essential for life to that part of the world. And during the time of Christ and now, bread is considered a staple. And you know we use the phrase breaking bread together to indicate the sharing of a meal with someone bread also plays an important part in the jewish passover meal the jews were to eat unleavened bread during the passover feast and then for seven days following as a celebration of the exodus from egypt and in exodus we know that when the jews were wandering in the desert for 40 years God rained down bread from heaven to sustain them. So today's gospel is the only and the first section of Jesus's bread from heaven discourse. And it's rich and full of meaning. And all this plays into the scene that was described in John six, when Jesus used the term bread of life. Now the background to this story tells us that Jesus' ministry had just been very, very successful. He had gained a reputation as a miracle worker. He was a teacher and a preacher, and his followers included a prominent Pharisee and a marginalized Samaritan woman. Our text reports that Jesus had withdrawn to the region of Galilee and that a large group of people continued to follow him because of his healings. And the things that he was doing on behalf of the sick. So, envision. Jesus had been sitting with his disciples on a small hill. And he spies the oncoming masses. Jesus reacted, not by being fearful, but suggesting that they need to purchase food to feed these people. And the crowd had come for healing. But Jesus responded by raising the additional need for food. And this serves as a backdrop and launching point for the powerful feeding of the 5,000 people, which maybe there were a little more because, as you know, they did not count women or children back then. Sidebar. So along with Jesus's resurrection, this is the only miracle story that is included in all four of the Gospels. Jesus tells the disciples that they need to fill the, feed the group. And Philip, one of the disciples, scoffs at Jesus and he pooh poos him. And he says, look, you know, we can't do that. It's not humanly possible. Even if we were to have possession of a half year's wages, we couldn't feed but crumbs to the crown. And in a well-meaning effort by Andrew, he introduces a little boy to Jesus who had five loaves of bread and two fish. And of course, we know that Jesus miraculously fed the group with lots of food to spare. On that day, the crowd of 5,000 had just witnessed a powerful and unmistakable sign of God's power and compassion the response of the gathered multitude was immediately. Well, they recognized that in Jesus' actions, a hand of God. And they saw in Jesus a person who could heal the sick and put bread on the table. And their needs of the moment had been met, so they wanted more. And because of his actions that day and all the previous healings, they believed that Jesus was a long-awaited prophet from God. So they intended to anoint him. Now in our gospel reading today, the Corby so beautifully read, Jesus was trying to get away from the crowds. And I, I truly suspect he was, just, he was just tired. He was tired. He was looking for a break. Because he had fed all those, those people the day before. And he was trying to get away because he didn't want to get anointed. The disciples in Jesus fled from the people by taking a short boat across The Galilee, Sea of Galilee. And by the time that they get there, everybody had gotten there first. Boy, oh boy, I can only imagine the disciples' reaction. They must have really been ticked off. So Jesus, instead, the beauty of Jesus is he takes this as an opportunity to teach. He accuses the crowd of ignoring his miraculous signs and only following him for another free lunch. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set the seal. So in other words, they're so, so excited about the bread and fish being eaten that day and the prospect of another free meal that they were missing out on the fact that the Messiah had come. As a matter of fact, he was right in front of them. So the Jews asked Jesus for a sign that he was sent from God. And you know, you really have to wonder as if the miraculous feeding and the walking on water was not enough. <laughs> so the crowd continues to challenge Jesus about the Old Testament example of Moses' provision of bread from heaven in the form of manna to meet Israel's need. But Jesus says, hey, you know what? Even manna, the manna from Moses. Although, miraculously, it would not keep beyond the Sabbath. And the exchange continues. These folks are just really resistant. And they counter, and they tell Jesus, oh, no. Oh, no, we've been following the commandments and the 60-plus laws. We're doing what God said. And Jesus says, look, there's something more And he points to himself and says, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives you life. So this particular group, that particular day, uh, they misunderstand. And Jesus tries to encourage them not to work for food that has no long-term value, but for food that will last for eternity. And Jesus says, yes, I think the commandments are important and the laws. But what's more important is... Committing yourself to God and to believing. So Jesus tells them, look, you know what? You are missing the point. And that they need to ask for the true bread from heaven that gives life. And when they ask Jesus for this bread, and this is what really pushed him over the edge. When he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Wow, what an amazing, phenomenal statement. First, by equating himself with the bread and saying that he is essential to life. And second, the life Jesus is referring to is not a physical life, but an eternal life. And he's getting the Jews to think about a spiritual arena versus a physical arena. And he is contrasting what he brings as their Messiah with the bread that he miraculously created the day before. And he tells them, look, physical bread perishes. You need spiritual bread. So Jesus makes another claim to deity. And this time he says, I am. I am statements in John's gospel. And the course, the phrase I am is a covenant name of God, or Yahweh, revealed to Moses at the burning bush. And the phrase speaks of sufficient self-sufficient existence, which is known as a seity, which is a quality that only God possesses. It's also a phrase the Jews who were listening would have automatically understood as a claim to deity. So he invited those to listen and coming to Jesus involves making a choice to reject the world and follow him. Believing in Jesus means placing our faith in him and that he is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he will do and that he's the only one who can do it. So what does this abstract phrase, bread of life thing mean? Well, simply put, he means that we are not satisfied spiritually unless we know him. And we are not spiritually satisfied unless we have him in our lives. Or to be clear, we cannot survive spiritually without him. So on our own, we're going to try to fill up the gap, all right? We can't satisfy our deepest longings and wishes. And as you know, everyone, all of us guilty, um, is trying to satisfy that longing. And maybe it's a need to belong or to have purpose or to be loved. All looking in the wrong places and trying to satisfy it is as extreme as looking to things like drugs, alcohol, maybe having an eating disorder, but also maybe things that don't seem so harmful at first, like social media, or the accumulation of stuff, or self-serving and selfish ways of being. You know, what is really, really, really scary is eventually we become slaves to those things. At 68, I'm still trying to figure out this religion and spirituality thing. So this summer, I took a course, finishing up my master's at the Ecumenical Institute called Faith Development Through the Life Cycle. Oh my goodness, if you have the opportunity to take it, please do. It is a wonderful course about the stages of faith and spirituality as we age and from childhood to the later years. And we've read about Eric Erickson, uh, Piaget, Kubler-Ross, Lawrence Kohlberg, name a few. And I wrote my paper on human development in the life cycle of those 65 and beyond. And you know what? I learned a lot about getting old and getting God. So when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, he's talking about spiritual nourishment for our souls. Now, you remember that lovely lady that I first opened with and I told you about, we were sitting on the bench? Well, and as you know, she offered me her pita bread. Well, Jesus is offering also and promised that he will satisfy our deepest needs and longings. And he can make us feel full and overflowing with our life's blessings, all of our blessings, like our baby here. And... To live physically, we need whatever our food and basic food group is, but to live spiritually and abundantly and eternally, we need Jesus, who is the bread of life and who is always ready to welcome us to his table. Amen.